Chapter One of Frigid Fracas by Mac Reynolds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Grothman. In any status hungry culture, the level a man is assigned depends on what people think he is, not on what he is. And that, of course, means that only the deliberately phony has real status. Frigid Fracas by Mac Reynolds Chapter 1 In other eras, he might have been described as swacked, stewed, stoned, smashed, crocked, cockeyed, soused, shellacked, polluted, potted, tanked, lit, stinko, pie-eyed, three sheets to the wind, or simply drunk. In his own time, Major Joseph Mauser, category military, mid-middle caste, was drenched. Or at least rapidly getting there. He wasn't happy about it. It wasn't that kind of a binge. He lowered one eyelid and concentrated on the list of potables offered by the autobar. He'd decided earlier in the game that it would be physically impossible to get through the whole list, but he was making a strong attempt on a representative of each subdivision he'd had a cocktail a highball a sour a flip a punch and a julep he wagged forth a finger to dial a fizz a slow gin fizz joe mauser occupied a small table in a corner of the middle caste category military club in greater washington his current fame transient though it might be would have made him welcome as a guest in the upper caste club located in the swank baltimore section of town old pros in the category military had comparatively little sufferance for caste lines among themselves rarefied class distinctions meant little when you were in the drill and you didn't become an old pro without having been in spots where matters were pickled joe would have been welcomed on the strength of his performance in the most recent fracas in which he had participated as a mercenary that between vacuum tube transport and continental hovercraft but he didn't want it that way you didn't devote the greater part of your life to pulling your way up pushing your way up fighting your way up the ladder of status to be satisfied to associate with your social superiors on the basis of being a nine-day wonder an oddity to be met at cocktail parties and spoken to for a few democratic moments no joe mauser would stick to his own position in the scheme of things until through his own efforts he won through to that rarefied altitude in society which his ambition demanded a sour voice said celebrating captain oops major i mean so you did get something out of the catskill reservation fracas i'm surprised a scowl, Joe decided, would be the best. Various others in the course of the evening had attempted to join him. Three or four comrades-in-arms, one journalist from some fracas buff magazine, some woman he'd never met before, and Zen knew how she'd ever gotten herself into the club. A snarl had driven some away, or a growl, or a sneer. This one, he decided, called for an angry scowl particularly in view of the tone of voice which only brought home doubly how his planning of a full two years had come a cropper he looked up beginning his grimace of discouragement 
Go away, he muttered nastily. The other's identity came through slowly. One of the telly news reporters who'd covered the fracas. For the moment, he couldn't recall the name. Joe Mauser held the common prejudices of category military for telly and all its ramifications, not only for the drooling multitudes who sat before their sets and vicariously participated in the sadism of combat while their tranked, bemused brains refused contemplation of the reality of their way of life, but also for category communications and particularly its subdivision, telly, branch fracas news and all connected with it his views perhaps were akin to those of the matador facing the moment of truth the crowd screaming in the arena seats for him to go in and the promoters and managers watching from the bereta and possibly wondering if he were gored if next week's gate would improve the telecameras which watched you as crouched almost double you scurried into the fire area of the metralius or perhaps a maxim the telecameras which swung in your direction speedily avidly when the blast of fire threw you back and to the ground the telecameras with their zoom lenses which focused full on your face as life leaked away the spanish affectionados never had it so good the close-up expression of the dying matador had been denied them the other undeterred sank into the chair opposite his face twisted cynically joe placed him now frank soligen give the man his due he and his team were right in there when the going got hot more than once in the past fifteen years joe had seen the little man lugging his cameras into the center of a fracas taking chances expected only of combatants vaguely he wondered why he demanded why Ah, uh, Soljan said, Major, by the looks of you, you're going to have a butte comes morning. Why don't you stick to Trank? Cause I'm not a slob, Joe sneered. Why? Why what? Listen, you want me to help you on home? Got no home. Live in hotels, military clubs, in barracks. Got nothing but my rank and caste, he sneered again, such as they are. Soligen said, Mid-middle, aren't you? And a major? Zen, most would say you haven't got much to complain about. Joe grunted contempt, but dropped that angle of it. However, he could have mentioned that he was well into his thirties, that he had copped many a that he had copped many a one in his day, and that now time was borrowed. When you had been in the drills as often as had Joe Mauser, the days you lived were borrowed borrowed from some lad who hadn't used up all that nature had originally allotted him he was well into his thirties and his life's goal was still tantalizingly far before him and he lived on borrowed time he said why are you exception how come you get right to the middle of it like the time on the panhandled reservation you could have copped one there Soligen chuckled abruptly as though in self-deprecation i did cop one there hospitalized three months didn't read any of the publicity i got no i guess you didn't it was mostly in the category communications trade press 
Anyway, I got bounced not only a rank on the job, but up to low middle in caste. There was the faintest edge of the surly in his voice, as he added, I was born a lower, Major. Joe snorted. So was I. You didn't answer my question, Sullivan. Why stick your neck out? Most of you tele-reporters stick it out in some concrete pillbox, with lots of telescopic equipment, he added bitterly, and usually away from what's really going on. The tele-reporter looked at him oddly. Stick my neck out? he said with deliberation. Possibly for the same reason you do, Major. In fact, it's kind of the reason I looked you up. Trouble is, you're probably too drenched, right now, to listen to my fling. Joe Mauser's voice attempted cold dignity. He said, In category military, Sullivan, you are never so drenched you can't operate. The other's cynical grunt conveyed nothing, but he reached out and dialed the auto bar. He growled, Okay, a sober up for you, an ale for me. I don't want to sober up. I'm being bitter and enjoying it. Yes, you do, the little man said. I have the answer to your bitterness. He handed Joe the pill. You see, what's wrong with you, Major, is that you're trying to do it alone. What you need is help. Joe glowered at him, even as he accepted the medication. I made my own way, Sullivan. I don't even know what you're talking about. That's obvious, the other said sourly. He waited, sipping his brew, while the sober-up worked its miracle. He was compassionate enough to shudder, having been through, in his time, the speeding up of a hangover, so that the full agony was compressed into mere minutes rather than dispensed over a period of hours. Joe groaned. It better be good, whatever you want to say. Fred Sullivan asked at long last, tilting his head to one side and taking Joe in critically. You know one of the big reasons you're only a major? Joe Mauser looked at him. The tele-reporter said, You haven't got any mustache. Joe Mauser stared at him. The other laughed cynically. You think I'm drivel-happy, eh? Well, maybe a long scar down the cheek would do even better. Or possibly you ought to wear a monocle, even in action. Joe continued to stare as though the little man had gone completely around the bend. Fred Sullivan had made his first impression. He finished the ale, put the glass into the chute, and turned back to the professional mercenary. His voice was flat now, all expression gone from his face. All right, he said. Now listen to my fling. You've got a lot to learn. Joe held his peace, if only in pure amazement. He ranked the little man opposite him in both caste and in professional attainments, besides which he was a combat officer and unused to being addressed with less than full respect even from superiors. For unlucky Joe Mauser might be in his chosen field, but respected he was. Fred Sullivan pointed a thin finger at him, almost mockingly. You're on the make, Mauser. In a world where few bother any more, you're on the way up. The trouble is, you took the wrong path many years ago. Joe snorted his contempt at the other's lack of knowledge. 
I was born into the clothing category subdivision shoes, branch repair. In the old days, they called us cobblers. You think you could work your way up from mid-lower to upper caste with that beginning, Soligen? We don't even have cobblers anymore. Shoes are thrown away as soon as they show wear. Sure, sure, sure. Theoretically, under people's capitalism, you can cross categories into any field you want. But have you ever heard of anybody doing any real jumping of caste levels in any category except military or religion? I didn't take the wrong path. Religion is a little too strong for even my stomach, which left the category military the only path available. Fred had heard him out, his face twisted sourly. He said now, You misunderstand. I realize that the military's the only quick way of getting a bounce in castes. I wish I'd figured that out sooner before I made a trade out of the one I was born into. Communications. It's too late now. I'm in my forties with a busted marriage and the proud papa of a kid. He twisted his face again in another grimace. By the way, the boy's a novitiate in category religion. Some elements were clearing up in Joe's mind. He said, in comprehension, So we're both ambitious. That's right, Major. Now let's get back to fundamentals. Your wrong path is the manner in which you're trying to work your way up into the elite. You've got to become a celebrated hero, Major. And it's the telefan, the fracas buff, who decides who in the category military heroes are. Those are the slobs you have to toady to. In the long run, nobody else counts. I know, I know, all the old pros, even big names like Stonewall Cogswell and Jack Alshuler, think you're a top man. Great. But how many buff clubs do you have to your name? How often do the buff magazines run articles about you? How often do you get interviewed on telly, in between fracases? Have the movies ever done the Joe Mauser story? Joe twisted uncomfortably. All that stuff takes a lot of time. I've been keeping myself busy. Right, busy getting shot at. I'm a mercenary. That's my trade. Fred spread his hands. Okay, if that's all you're interested in, shooting lads signed up on the other side or getting shot by them, that's fine. But you know, Major, he cocked his head to one side and peered knowingly at Joe. I've got a sneaky suspicion that you don't particularly like combat. Some do, I know. Some love it. I don't think you do. Joe looked at him. Fred said, you're in it because of the chance of promotion. Nothing else counts. Joe remained silent. Fred pushed himself. Who are the names every fracas buff knows? Jerry Sturgeon, captain at age 21, and so damn pretty in those fancy uniforms he wears. How many times have you ever heard of him really being in the drill? He knows better. Captain Sturgeon spends his time prancing around on that famous Palomino of his in front of the telly lenses, not dodging bullets. Or Ted Soul, Colonel Ted Soul. The dashing soul, with his two Western-style six-shooters slung low on his hip, and that romantic limp and craggy face. 
my do the female buffs go for colonel soul i wonder how many of them know he wears a special pair of boots to give him that limp old jerry's a long-time drinking pal of mine he's never copped one in his life what's more another year or so and he'll be a general and you know what that means almost automatic jump to upper caste joe's face was working all this was not really news to him like his fellow old pros joe mauser was fully aware of the glory grabbers there had always been glory grabbers from the mythological achilles who sulked in his tent while his best friend died before the walls of troy to alexander who conquered the world with an army conceived and precision trained by another man whose name is all but forgotten to the swashbuckling custer who sacrificed self and squadron rather than wait for assistance fred pushed him how come you're never on the lens when you're in there going good major ever thought about that when you're commanding a rear-guard action maybe trying to extract your lads when the situation's pickled who's in the telly lens where all the stupid buffs can see him one of the manufactured heroes joe scowled the who come off it major you've been around long enough to know heroes are made not born we stopped having much regard for real heroes a long time ago Lindbergh and bird were a couple of the last we turned out after that we left it to the norwegians to do such things as crew the contiki or to the english to top everest whether or not the britishers made the last hundred feet slung over the shoulder of a sherpa i don't know if it's talking movies the radio the coming of telly or what possibly all three but we got away from real heroes they're not exciting enough telly actors can do it better real heroes are apt to be on the dull side they're men who do things rather than being showmen actually most adventure can be on the monotonous side nine-tenths of the time when a stanley goes to find livingston he doesn't spend twenty-four hours a day killing rogue elephants or fighting off tribesmen most of the time he's plodding along in the swamps getting bitten by mosquitoes or through the bush getting bitten by tsetse flies so as a people we turned it over to the movies and telly where they can do it better joe mauser's mind was working now but he held silent fred soligen went on your typical fracas buff glued to his telly set wants two things first lots of gore lots of blood lots of sadistic thrill and the lower lower lads who are silly enough to get into the military category for the sake of glory or a few shares of common stock they might secure provide that gore second your telly fans want some good guys whose first requirement is to be easily recognized some heroes easily identified with anybody can tell a telly hero when he sees one handsome dashing distinctively uniformed preferably tall and preferably blonde and blue-eyed though we'll eliminate those requirements in your case if you'll grow a mustache he cocked his head to one side yes sir a very dashing mustache joe said sourly you think that's all i need to hit the big time a dashing mustache eh no fred soligen said very slowly and evenly we're also going to need every bit of stock you've accumulated major 
we're going to have to buy your way into the columns of the fracas buff magazine we're going to have to bribe my colleagues the telecamera crews to keep you on lens when you're looking good and more important still off when you're not we're going to have to spend every credit you've got i see joe said and when it's all been accomplished what do you get out of this fred fred soligen laid it on the line when it's all been accomplished you'll be an upper i'm ambitious too joe just as ambitious as you are i need an in you'll make it i'll make it i have the know-how i can do it when you've made it you'll make me end of chapter one of frigid fracas by mac reynolds